Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. It's DJ uh, Buck and a very happy Rhett. I don't know why he's smiling so much. He's uh, he's fired <laughs> up right glad now. Glad to be here, guys. Just love Glad life. to be here, you know, well, just... Uh, Excited, got to hang out with Bucky uh, on Sunday for NFL yeah, Game Day was, Live. Kind of that rekindled was a new experience our, for me. Yeah, remember we used to have the old Move the Sticks team on Game Day Live. Um, yeah, for, for a little didn't, while. Didn't get the complimentary piece that we used to get on that show. I just had to sit up in here right. and. Uh, oh man, yeah, remember the DJs? They used to bring up now. DJs, man. That was yeah. big. That was big. Yeah, well, no, I think none I of think that. because Lionel is no longer with us to bring the pizzas oh, out is he, as the stage he's, manager. And, he's, and he slipped uh, he, one time. Those pizzas took a tumble. And <laughs> <laughs> that was unfortunate. We love, was love you, Lionel, one. if you're listening. Yeah, was a, that was a great effort, um, uh, yeah. but it was tough. Uh, we're going to get into these games. We always uh, pull out eight games. We dig, uh, dig into those a little deeper, and then we'll have some comments on some of the other ones at the end. Um, it was a uh, man. It was a short night here. I, I, I can't complain because I've got Rhett who's going back and forth to Indiana and doing Big Ten games every single week. A lot of yeah. travel there. I've got mm-hmm. Buck who's done two international trips where he decided <laughs> that he needed to come home in between those. Uh, right. so <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to complain about the uh, the early a.m. Uh, arrival after the afternoon game in Kansas City, but it was a uh, it was a long day. Not only uh, from a travel standpoint, but yeah. what a long day for the Chargers. They lose 31 to 17. Uh, to the Chiefs, the rare two-score game uh, for the Chargers. You don't see many of those. Those are like a Bigfoot. You know, it usually comes down to the very end. It's like, but, I mean, it's like a three-point game. What's yeah, going on is, out there? Yeah, it was weird. But again, you had a. It was really a one-score game down to the very end till a punt return uh, by the Chiefs by Miko Hardman put them in position to make it a two-score game late. But um, there's a lot to get to with this. Um, I, I will look at it. I'll look at it from the Chargers side of things, and I'll start just kind of the tale of two halves, man. You had an offense that was up and down the field in the first half, feeling good about it, and the defense was terrible. In the Mm -hmm. second half, you had a defense that made some, I thought, some pretty obvious adjustments that needed to be made, i.e. playing some man coverage. Yeah, and giving Derwin James a chance to match up well with Travis Kelsey, and then uh, so the defense gets better, then offense can't can't move the ball. They had favorable field position uh, off of some defensive stops, could not do anything with it. Um, so just kind of a, a unconnected game. But I, I want to talk about the defense. And Buck, I want to get to you on this one. Um, I'm I'm trying to like look at this thing and try and make sense of it. And one of the things that's frustrating calling the Charger games every week is I feel like man, they get hit with the right hand a lot. You know, like when you're going to play the Miami Dolphins, your attention probably should be on Tyree Kill and trying to take him away. He goes over 200 yards. When you're playing, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, you let CeeDee Lamb get loose. Micah Parsons is where you should focus your attention. Like, hey, anybody else beats us, but Micah Parsons has the two big rushes at the end of the game that end up sealing the game. Max Crosby, even in a win, I think had two sacks against him. Uh, Justin Jefferson goes for 150 yards, including big plays. Like, 
I feel like if you go into that game yesterday and Sky Moore has 130 yards and, and oh, he yeah. beats you, he beats you. You live with that. Yeah. But to come out and play so much zone coverage, to come out and give free access to Kelsey, and then I, I mean, I freeze the picture. I, I sent you guys some of the screen grabs. When you freeze it on third down, which is, man, he should be getting attention every down he's on the field, but on third down, there's nobody within 10 yards of him in the middle of the field. He's running spot routes. There's no magic to it. He's just running spot routes. There's nobody assigned to him. And I just think, man, after a game, you get on the plane and fly home, Buck, and you go, you know what, man, we, we hey, last year in a game, Derwin James matched up with him. He beat him and got a touchdown late, and I sleep. I would sleep fine. You know what? We put our best on their best. He got us. But to just give free access, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny, right? So we're in the midst of this this period where everyone is kind of taking shots at Bill Belichick. But the one thing that we all respect about Belichick is his ability to make the opponent play left-handed. And we've seen him use basically the punt return coverage where he'll vice up a, a marquee player to make sure that, hey, this guy's not in play. He's done it in critical downs. He's the master of double coverage tactics. He will not, if he can control it, he's not going to allow your best player to have a big day. And a lot of coaches are reluctant to kind of sell out or kind of revamp what they normally do to take that player away. And I understand, like, hey, we're just going to do what we do and how that's been successful for some. But against the Kansas City Chiefs, to me, this year in particular, when Travis Kelsey is the main event, gosh, you got to let MVS or somebody else beat you. You can't let him have not only have 12 catches, but he can't go over 100 yards in the first half. Like, it has to be something where you try to take away something to make them uncomfortable. Make them go farther down the play sheet. Don't let them just stop it at segment A. Make them yeah. at least get to B or C. Let me, let me ask you this quick follow-up. Um, why would you not just play two-man against that team and, say if they, if, and challenge Andy Reid to be patient with Isaiah yeah. Pacheco and say, you know, if they want Pacheco to run the ball 30 times, then... We'll take mm-hmm. our chances. You know, we're going to play two man and we're just going to say, okay, that's because that is like, Buck, just from a seven on seven culture standpoint, like that's the best. If you're playing a team that's going to throw the ball, that's the best. That's the best coverage you can run. I mean, you can do it. You can do it all day. Like, um, yeah. and I look, well, it's, simple, look it's simple too. It's There's simple. There's no hesitation. It. There's no thinking. Yeah. I've got him. I've got help. That's it. That's it. I've got him. I've got help. That's it. It, it, it should be very, very simple. And it should be a thing that, you do. And I remember Todd Bowles said this when they knocked him off in the Super Bowl. He said, if Pat Mahomes runs for 100 yards, we'll live with it. But they're yeah. not going to beat us because he runs for 100 yards, because that's not right. what they want to do. We're mm-hmm. not going to give up the explosives. We're going to take away their main options, and that's what they did. And look, the, the Chargers had the game there for him because the game was even steeping. But you have to, you cannot allow Travis Kelsey to go beat because no one else is capable of really having no. a monster day. Let somebody else have a monster day. Well, and, and I will just say, because you guys have, you guys covered it. I mean, that's, you know, it, it seems odd, right? That you're, but that, that it also feels like that's part of the philosophy here with the way that Brandon mm-hmm. Staley wants to do things defensively, right? It was like, okay, well, we're not going to completely change what we do based on one guy. What we do works and we're going to work it and, you know, have a plan and work the plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, uh, you know, it did force Brittany Mahomes and Travis Kelsey's significant other now nice. um you might know her name to adjust their new celebratory handshake like they had to they because of the way that kelsey yeah. was working in the first half they had to come up with a new adjustment on the handshake because they were executing it so many times so mm-hmm. they were able to adjust in the first half with the celebrations um which meant that things were probably going pretty well uh, for number 87 in red uh, I mean, it's just incredible um, the way that they uh, they're able to continue to find you know that chemistry. I, I'm trying to think back. Like, if we go back to Brady Gronk, is Mahomes Kelsey better? It's different. It's different. It's, it's totally. It's, I different. think it's different. I think it's different. I would say the difference is in my at first glance. There's more freestyle and more. Uh, I would say improv- oh, they color outside the lines and yeah, say. improvisation. That's true. I, I felt like it's it was LeGrock was great, but I felt like it was planned. It was scripted how they like how he got like with Kansas City. I think the part of, part of the problem in dealing with them is you just never know where Travis Kelsey is going to go because I don't I even know. know if his quarterback knows. But they played. Well, he says it all the time. Yeah. yeah. 
So well, Gronk, you're right. Gronk, I just Gronk, keep Gronk about was that. Gronk was different though. Gronk was contested catches and run yeah. after catch. Like yeah. you could not physically get him on the ground. You, there's all the plays of guys bouncing off of him as he just kind of rumbling down the field, hang bodies hanging on him like that. Kelsey is going to work in zones and space. He's going to yeah. separate at the top of his route. He's going to get what he gets, but like he's not going to he's not going to run guys over. And then in the run game, it's not even. I mean, it's not even not, close. Not even no, close. I just meant I just meant on chemistry yeah. with quarterback in in tight end. That's oh, all. they have unbelievable yeah. chemistry. There was a next yeah. in stat that they had completed like twenty nine straight balls <laughs> when targeted. Mahomes <laughs> had completed twenty nine straight to Kelsey. Think about how yeah. crazy that is. It had the probability of like point zero three percent of that happening. Like that's yeah. That's how stupid it was. And I, I do want to say one thing as we move on here. Uh, the Chiefs defense is it is the one of the best versions of that defense that I've seen. And they've had Super Bowl defenses. One of the things that they do that I love, like you watch a guy like Legarius Sneed, Buck, they are they get their hands on people every snap. Like they don't Thank give you. free access. In a league where so much of the passing game is rhythm and timing based, it seems like it's not that you know, complicated that it's it helps when you can get your hands on guys and reroute them just a little bit. Now they still give up some explosives down the field because Chargers have players, but um, they don't make it easy on you defensively. So it's funny, DJ. You talk about that. It is is one of the things that drives me crazy. Like you see guys just playing off and just conceding yards and just giving them. And I don't know. I'll say this: like I'm a believer that you need to make receivers work for every yard they get. Like most guys. If you challenge them early and they go these long stretches without touching the ball, they'll kind of check out and pout and they'll turn on the quarterback. So I believe you should do what the Kansas City Chiefs do. Hey, man, make them earn it. Touch them every time. It's annoying. It's almost like when we play basketball, you know, you play in the YMCA and there's this one guy who's going to be the defensive guy, right? So you're off in the corner, not really in the play, but his chest is on you. And you're like, <laughs> like can I get some room? But it's that guy and it's the guy who has no talent. Sometimes you need to treat wide receivers like that, like make them always kind of feel you because like it's annoying. It's an annoying no, process. 100%. 100%. By the way, do you know how many contested uh, targets that the Kansas City Chiefs had in this game? Uh, two. Oh. Two. Uh, yeah. But they weren't uh, – but, but most of them weren't from Kelsey. I know. But um, I mean, think, like you talk about challenging people. They had two contested targets. So unbelievable. So, yeah, Mahomes, yeah. but he only threw it 42 times. So, you know, right. there's that. Um, not great. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get to the next one here. We're going to go back a few days here on this one. Um, we don't need to we don't need to linger long on this one, Buck. No. I know it's a few days old, but uh, your game, Jags, Saints, and man, you, the Jags, you guys are positioned in a great spot right now. Yeah, so here's the game. The, the, the game, uh, it's not even really about the result. I think the big thing that came out of the game is Trevor Lawrence's uh, willingness to play. Trevor Lawrence, the last game against the Indianapolis Colts at the very end of the game, he runs a bootleg. He hurts his knee. He's braced up. And it's a short week. So I see him leaving with his wife on Sunday, and he's kind of gimping out. Had a big old brace on, and I was like, well, that's not good, considering they play on a Thursday. And Doug Peterson said, I didn't know if he's going to play. I don't know if he's going to play. I watch him in pregame. And DJ, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm watching him throw, and it's not great. Right. So he's trying to make these throws. The first ones are just fluttering all over the place. He then settles down and he's like, he has the A team that he's working in. You know, it's big time when in pregame is Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk running routes um, an hour and a half before the game. And I was like, oh, yeah, they're really trying to see if he can throw. <laughs> DJ, early in the game, he just takes off running. And the yeah. whole time I'm like, get down, get down. <laughs> and it's like a big run and those things. But what that did, he earned more points in the locker room than you ever can imagine because of his toughness. And there's something to be said for, look, Phillip Rivers always played. Eli Manning yeah. always played. And when they you're were the beloved. Beloved. When you're the franchise quarterback, you have to show up. And there's something about, like, when you display that level of toughness, that ingratiates you to the team. And because yeah. of that, I think, the affinity that his teammates have for him, the respect that the coaches have for him, grew leaps and bounds because of his willingness to play and how he played in spite of that stuff. And so one of the things that we talk about in evaluation is toughness with quarterbacks. That exhibition of toughness goes a long way in that locker room. No, that's big. I think that's a great point. Uh, Rhett, on the Saints side of things, um, I felt terrible for Foster Moreau uh, at the end of oh. that one. 
Yeah, he's such a good guy. I mean, you know, obviously he went through, you know, what he went through overcoming, you know, <laughs> cancer this past uh, off season, and and you know, he's an LSU guy, and you know, wants to do great down there, you know, and it's just, you know, what I appreciated was Alvin Kamara and Jawan uh-huh. Johnson going to pick him up after the game, you know, and and you love seeing that stuff, and 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 I think that tells you something about you know where the Saints are in terms of you know the locker room, and, and obviously in the face of you know, more struggle than they have faced um, in their entire careers, really, in these last two years and certainly in the start to the season. So, you know, it, it tells you that they've got some guys that they can kind of rally around and, and hopefully, you know, find a way. I mean, look, in the end, Derek Carr throwing it 55 times in this game is, again, you know, probably not what you want. Um, but, yeah, you're in a, you're, you got an opportunity there. Game time touchdown, you know, and they had their chances. They just they have not been able to take advantage of opportunities the way they need to. No doubt. Um, I do want to correct one error from earlier. Um, I, there was four contested targets in the. Uh, oh, game. that's ridiculous! I had, um, it, I had it sorted with just Kelsey, so I didn't want to make it. I don't want to over exaggerate here. So. Uh, can 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 I bring these up because you guys like yeah. you have the quarterback and DJ. I got the wide receiver and Rhett. I I just want to know, uh, uh, Rhett. I ask you this, um, yes, sir. When Derek Carr oh, is your quarterback and he's making these theatrics and and gestures. For the world to know that maybe very demonstrative very de- that you might have blown a route. Like, how do you feel about that when you when you come to the sideline? Because I don't think you as a wide receiver are reacting like that when he overthrows a guy. He throws his 30th check down on the day. It just <laughs> seems like a lot for an organization that's had Drew Brees, the consummate leader, that the, you know, the dome has seen Drew Brees and how he conducts himself. And then here we have Derek Carr six, seven games in. And it is, it's really a big show, particularly when you're down on the sideline. On the opposite sideline, you can see it. And I'm like, this is not going to play well. It's yeah. not going to play well no, with the finger base. Here, here's the one thing I'll say is generally, you know when you screwed up, right? And so like, in, unless like you are vehemently in disagreement with Derek Carr and his assessment of what you were supposed to do on that play, like you, to a certain extent, like, you know, it's like, yeah, you know what? I, <laughs> I messed screwed it. that up. I, I messed screwed it. that up. I, you know, I, maybe I deserve it, but yeah, you'd still like to, to not see it. I mean, remember we were, we were dissecting this like crazy at the end of Tom Brady's career too, where he was, you know, into his Patriots run, I should say, where he was getting some major frustration with some of his wide receivers and he'd let you know, and you know, but he's the greatest ever play the game. Um, you know, I, I think um, I think that there's probably a little bit of frustration there uh, on both sides. And, and I think, that that's where, as you mentioned, it could it could cause some issues here because I don't think Derek's been flawless. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and while he's been okay, I don't think it's it's been enough to say that I am above that type of criticism on the other side. So, and he said it after the game. I'll give him some credit. He's got to chill out a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got to chill out a little bit. But they yeah, got problems. I mean, I mean, they got real. They got real issues on offense, DJ. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm on that one. To me, in the in between the lines is when it's that that was what drive me crazy. Yeah. In, so in, yeah, if you saw it, and I'm just talking about my measly little career. I'm just talking about just being around it. When I would see receivers, when you know it, Buck, when they start jumping, jumping up and down and skipping and like sh- shaking their hands, that you're like, come on, hey, like, I'm hey. all me. Yeah. You, you want to be like, dude, you have any idea how hard it is to play this position back here right. with all this right. going on right here? Like, I'm gonna miss you sometimes. Like, we'll talk about it. We get over to the sideline if you want to come over and if you want to give, you know, give me some stern words about how pissed off you are that you were open and I missed you, then that's fine. But on the field of play, I don't like it. To me, that's where I kind of draw the distinction. And then on the uh, on the quarterback side of things, that's just what comes with the position. I say the quarterback and the head coach, I'd put them, I'd lump them together. I thought when we were, were talking about the Giants game a couple weeks ago against the uh, Bills, when Dayball, when when Tyrod Taylor, you know, did, mm-hmm. you know, ran the play and checked to a run, and they don't get any points at the end of the half, he sprints out onto the field and he's airing him out, and so it's like the whole world can see, like, dude, we all know that Tyrod yeah, Taylor screwed up. Yeah. We all know that. He knows that. You know that. The whole stadium, everybody watching, you don't have to air him out. You're gonna get bonus points for protecting him, yeah. and then have that conversation in the locker room. And yeah. I feel like quarterbacks the same way. Hey, you ran the wrong route. I threw a pick. I, I'm just going to walk off the field. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to show you up. And I'll take that. I'll take that bullet. And it, what it's going to do, it's going to build my credibility with the team. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. It, yeah. It, 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 yeah. It's just, it's just annoying to watch. 
Doesn't yeah. know. But so. Buck, it's that rule that we've said. It's the rule that we've always said, which is it's very simple. When it's right, it's we. When it's wrong, it's me. That's the yep. that's the rule of playing quarterback. That's it. Um, Rhett, how about uh, this? Is a game, by the way. This Browns Colts game. I'm uh, I'm in the press. Or I'm in the press box for the uh, for the Chiefs game, Chiefs Chargers game. It was one of those ones where, like, I I don't I'm not exaggerating. It was a double take. Like, I looked at the scoreboard and I was like, I looked, I was like, what? what? Like at a halftime score of this game, I was like, how the heck is Gardner Minshew and the Colts? How are they scoring this many points against the Browns? I yeah, great question. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think you you start looking at it. I mean, look. Gardner Minshew is a good player. Now he's got some turnovers, obviously, that he wants to have back in this game. Four of them, uh, to be exact. One of them through the air, and then the three fumbles. But I mean, but that brings us to the to the real point of this whole discussion here. We can talk about the points and all that stuff, but I mean, Miles Garrett is just a superhuman. Like, there's you know. just there's just no other way around it. Like, I spent my morning like googling um, superheroes, and I'm like, you know what? None of these guys are as good as Miles Garrett. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's like he's the Hulk, he's the Flash, he's like the Silver Surfer, Iron Man, whatever you want to call him. Like, he's all of it into one. Nobody does. You there's there are so few humans on this planet that can do what he did on that field goal block at his size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then obviously, you know, the, the speed and the power that he's got off the edge to create that turnover in the end zone. I mean, those were game changing plays and those are plays that you got to have when you're playing a quarterback, you know, who you know didn't start the game and it made just one start for your team before that. And obviously, you know, isn't, you know, one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. So, I mean, like the dude just takes it and, and t- puts it all on his shoulders and Jim Schwartz, I mean, credit again to, to what they do defensively to set him up for success. But he beats double teams routinely. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's almost like what else? Shane Steich is like what? What else do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just I feel like you know the fact that he passes Reggie White for the most sacks by a player before turning twenty eight years old. I think just kind of makes you sit back for a second and go like, okay, let's appreciate fully what we're seeing here. You know what I mean? No question, um, Buck. What's your take? I know you you uh, you see the Colts inside that division, follow that team. Um, that they've that they're that competitive in that game. I don't know they didn't win. There's no moral victories, but to me, when you lose Richardson for the year and you've got Gardner Minshew out there, and Rhett talked about you get some of the yeah. good, but you're going to get the turnovers through all that. I mean, it's a one point game. Yeah, no, a really scrappy team, and um, uh, I think we talked about it. Like this is a team that is going all in on the prototypes. You know, at the position, they were the ones that that took all the guys with the testing numbers and the height, weight, size, speed, and all that. And so this is a team that plays fast, and they've been put in a scheme where we kind of talked about if you take great athletes and you have a collection of teachers on your coaching staff, what yeah. could it look like? And that's kind of what we're seeing. The Colts are showing you, hey, if you have great teachers and you take the best athletes that are available in the draft, you might be able to put together a good team if you have the right teachers that are willing to put them on the field. Because they play much better than you would think their roster was suggested they play based on the experience and what they have. To me, is the credit of the coaching staff and the scouting department being on the same page. And I think the future is bright in Indianapolis when they continue to add more pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, yeah nice to see Josh Downs go uh, five for a buck 25 and a touchdown. So Nobody took we, him in the rookie draft. I know, Come on, what we'll are we doing? You know, it would have been nice yeah. if he was still at Chapel Hill. That's what, that's what I would say. How about that? Ah, gosh, that's a tough one for you guys. I mean, yeah. look, look, Rhett and I, uh, no, we can't say anything. Without, we are no, we nothing. nothing. No, but, nothing but, it, but it would be nice. It would be nice if he was in Chapel Hill doing it. Uh, freaking the who's gotcha um is that what they call themselves by they, the way i think they do yeah, yeah. Wahoo, who's, wahoo, wahoo's wahoo, wahoo, something cats, like that. whatever yeah yeah whatever anyways tough one for the tar heels um all right we're gonna take a quick break we come back we'll talk about the big sunday night matchup between the dolphins and the eagles right after this bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy last year by making investments from coast to coast Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected, or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. All right, this was probably the game of the week. Not probably. This was the game of the week. Um, sure. One that I got to see the first half on watching it on my phone on the bus on the way to the airport and then uh, then just saw the score at the end of the game and then was excited to get up this morning and and, uh, and watch the tape, watch L22 and see, you know, what happened in this game. And I, I the first thing I did is I popped on the Dolphins offense because when you look at it, when they only have 17 points and seven came via the defense, you're like, okay, 10 points. This is the most explosive, the most dynamic offense in the league. Like, did the Eagles, what'd they do? How'd they shut this thing down? And I'll start with the positives for the Dolphins. Don't panic. Don't, if you're a Dolphins fan, they're fine. Mm -hmm. They had so many snaps on the other side of the 50. I mean, they had so many opportunities. And then, and and then they exhaust on downs on one, on a fourth and three. They don't, they aren't able to convert. You have the pick, uh, you know, towards Mm -hmm. the end of the game in the, in the red zone. They, they had, they had a touchdown called back. They had a, what would have been a touchdown to Tyreek Hill. He somehow bobbles. I mean, he kind of almost need the ball out of his own hands on the on running into the end zone. Like there was a lot of opportunity for them in this game, and and some of it was uh, was definitely self inflicted. Now, um, the Eagles did a nice job of what we've talked about in the past. When you play this team, if you can get your linebackers to get back there and get depth, uh, which was nice to see. I thought. You know, watching back the tape of this game, Nicobe Dean was the first time I kind of got excited about seeing him and what nice. he was doing, uh, running around, which was great to see. Um, but they're going to play. They're going to try and get after you up front, and they forced some big penalties. So it wasn't just the you know they had what three sacks I believe in this game. Uh, it was nice to see uh, the first sack of Nolan Smith's career. He was unblocked, but got his mm-hmm. first sack. Yeah, but sweat, sweat was really active. That you know, Jalen Carter, you know, drew a penalty. Like they, they were able to get them off schedule with some penalties that that showed you the impact of their front. Their their defense played well. That being said, there were still op, there were still ops uh, for Miami in this game. And I think I my biggest takeaway was not what I anticipated. I thought I was going to watch it and come away saying, "Man, the Eagles, they dominated them defensively." And I came away saying, "You know what? The Eagles played well enough." And I thought the Miami Dolphins left a little meat on the bone. I mean, I like I, I would go there. I would I would say um, here's here's the thing. We talked about these teams being built very very similar on 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 the podcast in terms of like how they've been constructed, the way they they they've done it. I would say that the Eagles' depth has certainly helped them because they can just bring so many different waves. I would also say that the Eagles are a much faster team than I anticipated because some of the trickery that the Dolphins have utilized to create big plays. They were minimal games. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that is basically running um, a version of the wing tee with all the spinner series, the packages, they're coming one way, coming around. Yeah. And they really try and get you out of source. But the Eagles are able to run them down and meet them at the line of scrimmage. And so for a team that really specializes in running in the C gap, which is like gap between the tackle and the tight end, they want to run outside. Eagles speed and explosiveness really showed up to me when I looked at this game. Yeah, and that's where, you know, depth along the defensive front, you know, where you got those guys and you've got multiple dudes that you can keep rolling in there. 
I also think that, that, you know, we've talked about this kind of the last couple of weeks, but for Miami, um, you know, their depth along the offensive line has been challenged in the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, you know, with Teron Armstead kind of being in and out and he's going to be out for a few weeks. And Connor Williams, you know, it was a big loss for them at center. I think uh, even Eichenberg ended up with a with a couple of pre-snaps uh, penalties on, on there uh, that that affected them. And, and look, I don't know how natural of a center he really is, but um, mm-hmm. Connor Williams has been a really good player for them. So I just I think a little bit of a confluence of um, of events there. You meet, you know, you're less than full strength on your offensive front, and then you meet a defensive group that is as deep and talented and fast and physical as you're probably going to see this season. And that's basically what happened. 45 rushing yards. I mean, that that has become such a big piece, right? It's not just a flash and dash of Tyreek Hill, by the way, missed a couple uh-huh. of opportunities himself, as you were talking about, Deej. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just I, I think when they can't when they can't get some of that run game stuff going, um, you know, this offense kind of struggles a little bit. Yeah, you know, one of the things I was thinking from the Eagles side of things, um, you know, AJ Brown has another huge game, ten for a buck thirty seven and a touchdown. Goddard got in the end zone, had a nice day. He's yeah. he's having a really good year. Uh Jalen Hurts, guys, is so rugged and so tough. He's beat up in this game. He still manages to make the plays he needs to make. It's two hundred and seventy nine yards, a couple passing touchdowns. There's an interception. There's some other throws I know he'd like to have back. You know, they did the sneak thing a zillion times. He had 11 carries for 21 yards. So, I mean, it's just kind of a rugged, rugged day, including a touchdown in that. The, the, the takeaway that I had, though, from their side of things is maybe the player that holds the keys to who, uh, who's going to come out of the NFC is going to be Marcus Mariota. Because mm-hmm. it, it, I know his knees hurt. I don't know if, if Jalen plays this week. Maybe he's fine. Maybe he's able to get through this mm-hmm. injury. But the way that he's used... He's going to miss some games. So, you know, whether that's one game, two games, you know, four, I don't know. But you can't, I don't care how strong he is. I know he's incredibly tough. He's incredibly strong. How rugged he plays, Buck, he's not going to be there for 17 weeks this year. He's going to miss some time. And when you think about how even the 49ers and the Eagles are, and we know this is a collision course that we are headed Mm -hmm. towards. Yep. If it's a three-game sample size with Marcus Mariota, he could hold the keys of who has home field advantage in the NFC. I, I really that was my takeaway watching this game. Yeah, and in watching the game because Jalen did come out with the second in the second half, he had the knee brace on. He didn't really talk about it in the post game interview. He kind of just yeah, everyone's dealing with yeah. stuff. Um, be fine. But you just wor- you you wonder. Okay, if this is a, an injury, is it best to sit him now, let him get fully healthy? Or are you going to try and let him grind it out and then potentially lose him when it matters down the stretch? Uh, I mean, I got to be careful. I'm just, I'm looking at this, Bucky, just to chime in here briefly. Um, Next two games, Commanders and Cowboys. So two division games. Then you got the bye week, week 10. And then how about this four game, five game stretch, really? Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks coming out of the bye for Philly. It almost seems like, Red, if, if you're going to make the move, this is the time. Uh, yeah, ahead of the buy, and then yeah. attack the buy on the end of it. Yeah, because you think, yeah. hey, we should be able to get with the commanders without him. Hey, even if we drop one to the Cowboys now, we should be able to get them on the back end. We have the buy. That'll give you three, almost four full weeks for him to get right and to be available for that stretch run, depending on and what I'm, And I'm not trying to pick on anybody here, but... Um, I mean, does what we saw from Marcus Mariota in the preseason make oh, you feel really comfortable about no, it? But that's what, but that's why I'm <laughs> yep. saying that's why I think it's so key. Yeah, you know, I, I have yeah. my doubts for sure. This is yeah. not, you know, when Gardner Minshew was in that spot, you felt okay about it. Um, I don't feel great about Marcus Mariota, but I would say that they, you know, this team has kind of a grit and a toughness that that's yeah. where the defense will crank it up a notch yeah. and they'll run the ball. You know, yeah, there's that, at least a competency there. Yeah, and I think yeah. Bucky's point, you can. You can navigate these, maybe these next games with that uh, after the buy with that slate that you just. Re- I don't think you want to navigate yeah, those games. With I don't, and you need him. You need him as as close to full strength as you can get for that for that run. And so if you if you can sit him down and and get him back healthy after the buy, you, you should do it because that's where you're really going to need him. If you can go one and one coming out of this stretch, look, you're not going to fall back much yeah. if at all. And yeah. if you're the Eagles. You probably think you can win both of them if you get it done, and and if you if you drop one of these now, Buck, well, you've got the head to head with the Niners. So if you have if you have Jalen healthy and you go win that game, now that's that's good. Mm-hmm. That's like winning two. 
Yeah. Um, so that would be big. Um, the the beatdown of the week, by the way, holy moly, well, was your game here, Buck. That was the Ravens just beating the stuffing out of the Lions. <laughs> you know what? I feel like this was a message to me because I've been sitting here <laughs> talking about this offense with Munkin. I, I went on TV uh, yeah. a week and some change ago. Oh, Red, were you there that day? I was talking about them playing volleyball. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Yes, it was Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday night they, they had seven drops. I was like, oh, I didn't know that the Ravens had a volleyball team, but they're just they're just knocking everything down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this offense shows up, and Lamar Jackson looks like MVP Lamar Jackson. The way mm-hmm. they're throwing it, the way he's running around, the offense is clicking. Three fifty-seven. Like I look, this was not on my bingo. This was not on my bingo card. No. And I will say this: as much as everyone's going to talk about the offense. Uh, I think we might have been slipping, sleeping on the defense. I think I agreed. Third, third game, sacks. yeah, third game where they've held teams to ten points or fewer. I, I think I saw this on the graphic like they've only given up seven offensive touchdowns. Is that true? That can't be true. That can't be true. Like the, the way that they're playing, but they're playing really good on defense. And that defense with this offense that has the potential to explode. Man, it puts the Ravens right back in their conversations, one of the teams that you don't want to talk about in the tournament. Great point. Um, and I think it was nice to see and and to see the kind of the full complement of Lamar Jackson's targets kind of show up. Obviously, Zay Flowers has been their arguably their most consistent piece as a rookie these first couple of weeks, but kind of reintroduce yourself to the fact that Mark Andrews can be a game wrecker. Rashad Bateman made some catches uh, in this game. They got Gus Edwards rolling a little bit. And so it just, it all felt like it was working and they jumped on Detroit from the jump, you know, and, and that's, that's obviously key, especially at home, you know, and a team like that, you know, in Detroit, um, it, you, you got to get up early. You don't want to find yourself down. Uh, and so I just, I thought Lamar played, you know, this is the best game we've seen him play in, I don't know, two mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Do we see, um, by the way, in that game where you had a young, exciting offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, is it time that maybe Mike McDonald gets some love as Buck was talking about this Ravens defense and how well they're playing when you start, as you start getting to the midway point, you start seeing some of these lists come out with future head coaches. Yeah. And we did a nice job at Michigan for Jim's mm-hmm. for Jim Harbaugh. Then, you know, he's bounced back and forth with John with the Ravens. He's been excellent, man. He's a young guy uh, who obviously is really, really smart. So in a league where we see all the offensive guys getting the, the leg up, I wouldn't sleep on him as being a head coaching candidate here in this next cycle. Yeah. Um, Rhett, what do you got here? What's your next game? I believe I'm, uh, we're going. Uh, oh, Pat's Bills, going? Patriots, Bills. Yeah. So I'll just I'll tackle this initially from the the Patriots side of thing. There was an efficiency and effectiveness to this offense for New England that we have not seen this year. I uh, thought early on, man, it was just Mac Jones was on target, um, and they were working the ball, you know, to a variety of different. Tar- Pop Douglas was getting the ball quickly and letting him kind of use that athleticism. Uh, let him go to work. Farrell Brown finds some chunk plays in, from the tight end spot in the pass game. There was a balance. Mac didn't throw it 45 times. Completed 25 of 30 in this game. Uh, and even though the run game wasn't particularly productive, they stuck with it for the most part, achieved some balance. But maybe the biggest part about it is the offensive line combo worked. Mm-hmm. arguably for the first time this season. Now, look, they, they've been missing Cole Strange for the last three games. He comes back into the lineup. That then allows Michael Wainu to move over to right tackle where they had just been getting beat handily on that right tackle spot. And he kind of settles that down. They allow zero sacks and just two quarterback hits and arguably their lowest pressure percentage of the season this week against the Bills defense would have been one of the best in pressuring the quarterback all year. That to me is the absolute key to this game. Mac Jones, when given a second, is good enough to win games in this league. And I think he's proven that time and time again, and he's been under constant duress the last month or so. And so the fact that he was able to breathe for a second and then deliver some throws, I mean, that was big. And it wasn't like an overly explosive offensive output, but they made plays when they had to, made enough, especially down there late in the game with the Gasicki touchdown. So that part was really good. I don't even know, Buck, if I'm, you know, I, but Rhett's excited about the Patriots because they looked so much better than they've looked. I, 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 my emotion coming out of that game is the man, what the heck is wrong with the Buffalo Bills? They're, they're, they're an up and down roller coaster team. They right lack now. DJ and Bucks. They lack so much, um, 
I don't know. It's, I don't know the creativity is the word. They lack so much in terms of consistency and rhythm on offense. It is like, man, I, I mean, like I can feel the frustration, you know, like watching mm-hmm. the game. And, you know, Josh Allen, it is so, it feels like that offense is so boomer bust, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, he might throw three picks and, you know, you still feel confident in their ability to come back and win the game. But I don't know what the, I don't, I don't know if it's, they're still struggling to find the, the right identity with Ken Dorsey as the play caller. Um, but man, they just, they have not truly found the rhythm. I mean, they are just such a, a out of sync at times offense, it feels like. Yeah, it's very clunky when you watch them. There's no real rhyme or reason. Um, I think the main thing, you you don't know what their identity is, right? So when we think about the Miami Dolphins, we have a clear picture of what their offensive identity is. It's about speed. It's about getting to the perimeter. It's about explosive plays, shots. You think about the Philadelphia Eagles, it's about the run game, complemented with a a vertical passing game, the A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. But for the Buffalo Bills, it's Josh Allen as a one-man show. And I don't know how that, how that fares against some of these other top teams in the AFC. We've talked about the AFC being loaded from top to bottom. I don't know if you can just have, hey, Josh, we're going to roll the ball out. We're going to let you do your thing, and we're going to figure out a way to score 30 points. I don't know if that's an effective strategy against the teams that are in the AFC. If the Bills were in the NFC, sure, write them in, they could do it. But in the AFC, it's going to take more structure more organization offensively for them to be able to get past some of these top teams. Yeah, it's interesting just looking at I was pulling up his numbers because I was curious on Josh. Um his completion percentage is up seven percent over last year. His uh yards per attempt is, you know, almost identical. Seven six last year, seven five this year. Last year was thirty five touchdowns, fourteen picks this year, fifteen and seven. So that ratio is a little bit off. But if you buy into ratings, I mean, his, his rating and his QBR are both up over last year. His rating right now is the highest of his career, um, which seems crazy. Not, yeah. yeah. Uh, it just seems crazy because you watch it and it does feel disjointed. Disjointed. Great way to put it. But on paper, when you look at it, it's like he's having his best year. It's, 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 hard, to, it's hard to wrap my mind around because I was thinking the point I was going to make was, man, it. You know, this I feel like this young group of superstars, when you look at Burrow and some of the adversity he's faced this year, Herbert has been down a little bit. It hasn't been as easy of a ride for him. Josh Allen's been down a little bit. Even, you know, until this last week, Mahomes, with the otherworldly standards he had set for himself, wasn't quite what he had been. I think we're seeing these young guys get challenged a little bit. Yeah, we are seeing them get challenged, and it's it's just not – it's just not what, what you expected. We thought this team would be ready to go. Now, firmly, I believe that they were going to be on the decent. I didn't think they would stay up there, but I'm just surprised at the struggles that we're seeing from this squad. Um, yeah. All right, Buck. How about Falcons and Bucks here? In a game, I'm going to be honest, uh, on the road and traveling, until I looked down at the paper, I didn't even know who won the game. I didn't oh, you, weren't, you, weren't, you weren't excited about the, the, I, the I dirty words taken on? Look, man, it was battle for first place in the NFC South. I know. I, I I just like to be honest with the listeners. I I don't uh, I don't want to fake oh. it. I didn't see any of this game. The king of the South. I mean, that's yeah. what, that's so, what this so tell me as if I didn't know. Pretend like I didn't know. Oh wait, okay. I, I don't. Okay, yeah. so this this is um, okay. Arthur Smith and his sideline antics, and we've seen him basically look like he has uh, Maalox or Pepto Bismol or whatever. Like he has it at his side when he's watching his quarterback Desmond injected into his veins. And I think he probably doubled up. I think he was double fisted on the sideline oh with, with um, Pepto oh because Desmond Ritter, DJ, three fumbles. He lost three fumbles, huh? Three, three in fumbles. In the red zone. In the red oh, zone. Crap. <laughs> on, on, oh, man. Going into the end zone, being careless with the ball, quarterback sneaks, like those things. Things where this game should have been, look, they, they should have comfortably won this game. But because of those miscues and errors, it, 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 it didn't happen the way that it should have happened. Now, it was great that he made a play to help him get down, hit, hit Kyle Pitts on like a, a strike to put him in field goal range. But his carelessness with the football is going to drive Arthur Smith to engage in some adult beverages or some vices that he doesn't need to handle. Because driving yeah. my fellow Tario crazy with this turnover. Yeah. First team to lose three red zone fumbles in a game in 20 years. Holy crap. <laughs> I mean, I well, that's, that's why we said the red zone. 
So again, I'm just not talking about this game specifically, yeah. but that's why when we get to the offseason, we want to fast forward to the topics of conversation. The Kirk Cousins to the Atlanta Falcons has been the move the sticks move that we have all three endorsed mm-hmm. and put our stamp on, that that's the move that should happen. That team's ready to go, man. They got a good group. They're ready to go right now. Yeah, and Bijan barely even played, by the way. What happened? He was he had, sick. It says something he had sick. headaches. He had headaches, headaches the night before, and then it, it bled into the next morning. And so he he didn't it didn't he couldn't give you a hard day's I, a good day's work. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, man. I'm in a fantasy football league that one that I've played in since I was in high school. And this is the worst fantasy football team I've ever had in my entire life. And I took Bijan. I took Bijan with like the third pick. I'm like, he's gonna lead the league in rushing. He's a freak. And then I looked at the box score and I was like, wait, what? What happened? Yeah, he didn't play. Hasn't been great for my squad, by the way. Of course, I didn't play George Pickens the one week that he goes off to. So whatever. Team stinks. Uh, enough about my fantasy team. Um, anything on the Bucks side of things before we move on to this next game? I got. I mean, I, I, I don't. don't yeah. I don't particularly think. Um, you I, don't I mean, want to talk they, about the Bucks? Yeah. I mean, it was <laughs> not, you guys are both taking the. It wasn't the story of the game. Off? It just wasn't the story of the game. The story of the um, game was the Falcons allowing the Buccaneers to hang around. When they had no the Bucks don't have a run, the Bucks don't have a run game. Like we talked a lot, and you want to talk about fantasy? And the fantasy community talked forever this offseason about Rashad White. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. he caught some passes, and you know, and, and that still gets points. But I mean, they're not running the football. Um, you know, and, and look, they really didn't a ton while Tom was there either. But yeah. it kind of shows up. It feels like a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. All right, uh, last one on the big eight here. Let's go, uh, Rhett. You had the Steelers and the Rams. A big win on yeah. the road for the Steelers. Who, by the way, I feel like. It, we talked about how physical their camp was before the season started. We talked about how this team, like there's a toughness and a grittiness to them. Mm-hmm. And then they get their doors blown off by the 49ers. And we're like, Oh, maybe we just missed the boat on that. And it's like, no, they're just, it's not aesthetically pleasing, but um, once again, they just find a way to win games. Yeah. You want to talk about uh, not aesthetically pleasing. That's uh, spending two hours on your commute home um, after that Ram Steelers game from SoFi yesterday. Oh, gosh. That's tough. Steelers, a lot of Steelers fans in the freeway. Yes, indeed. Um, So this game was was kind of interesting, right? I mean, obviously, the Rams running back room was injury depleted. Kyron Williams out, Rivers out. So they had they called up, you know, everybody from the practice squad. Uh Royce Freeman, Daryl Henderson, the old friend comes back. Got in the way back machine. Yeah, I know. Um and uh, it still found some productivity there and I think, you know, all of us that were worried about Puka Nakua's production with Cooper Cup came back. Not just turns fine. out it just probably helps a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. to have Cooper in there. I mean, and Bucky and I were talking about it on Game Day Live. I mean, I don't know if there's a team that executes the in cuts uh, at 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 all levels of the of the defense better than the Rams do uh, with the way that Stafford can sling it and the way that Puka and Cooper uh, find uh, openings down the field in that area. So um, that was big, but this really comes down to the fourth quarter for me, uh, really the third and fourth quarter with the Steelers. Third quarter because T.J. Watt picks off Matthew Stafford, sets up the Steelers' offense. They punch it into the end zone. They're back, like they're starting to get that momentum. And then in the fourth quarter. I thought is really where this thing kind of came to play. They had the Steelers ran 23 plays in the fourth quarter. 16 of them were runs. 11 first downs in wow. the fourth. It's like they remembered who they were for a second. You know what I mean? It was Najee Harris, it was Jay, it was Warren like they were all I mean they, they got into the game like almost all of their rushing yardage for the game comes in the fourth quarter. Like Dwayne Washington was in there uh making some big plays as the you know "Quote unquote sixth offensive lineman, but as another tight end there, Kenny was flawless. Kenny Pickett in the in the fourth quarter, he went seven for seven, had a big time back shoulder throw uh, to George Pickens, uh, throw of the game on a third and three. Like Isaac Sumalo peels off to try to help the left tackle uh, as they put Aaron Donald out rushing uh, out wide on the left tackle, and he's about to uh, to take care of a Pickett, but Sumalo tries to come over there, ends up body checking Pickett. Somehow he still gets this ball off." And it goes right into the uh, into the hands of Pickens on a on a third and three on the final drive that allowed them to essentially um, to essentially kind of run the deal out. And and maybe the biggest thing and the biggest difference here is that they had the Matt Canada camera up there in the booth, yeah. and he was actually had something to celebrate. Like it was nice. not the misery cam. Like he was actually up there. It's like let's go. You know, it was like yeah. feeling it. And like <laughs> I just felt like they had a rhythm. They had a they had a you know a commitment to the run game in that fourth quarter, and maybe. Just maybe, Bucky, it's something for them to build on. 
Real quick though, Buck, is is uh, is Dwayne Washington related to Darnell Washington? Darnell, sorry, yeah, that's I, my bad. I got my, <laughs> I got my Washington screwed up, didn't I? You went on such Too a many. soliloquy. I was ready could have to been DeAndre Washington. I was ready to. I had that that punch loaded and ready to go, and I had to sit there and uh, hold it for a while to be able to get that thing in there. But Thanks, I got man. it. Sorry, sorry, Darnell. My bad, bud. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay we we, we got i think dwayne washington played for the steelers though right i think Why not? maybe the dwayne receiver was, running back no dwayne dwayne no, washington corner cornerback was drafted by the vikings there's played. been a there's been a couple okay uh, yeah, alone. Nice, nice go ahead buck sorry about look that. The, the, this is this is what we talk about with the steelers man they just find a way to get to the winner's circle it's never pretty it's just effective uh, as much as people hate Matt Canada, he just somehow finds a way to drop enough plays for them to score enough points to win games, and he'll continue to be there, probably be there 20 years from now as the OC. We'll still be talking about it, but that's how it goes. The big thing was George Pickens being a factor. George Pickens kind of showing up and making some plays and finally getting to think. I, like Deontay Johnson also being there. I mean, they got guys. Allen Robinson made a big catch. I mean, they have enough guys. It's just a matter of organizing the play sheet where those guys can touch it. They just haven't done it. So we'll, we'll see if they can get it together down the stretch. But this team is going to be there. They're going to be in the conversation. They're, they're the cockroach. They're the cockroach of the AFC North. Like, we'll talk about one week, oh, the Ravens are the best team. And then it's like, oh, the Browns have this all-time defense. And it's like, you know, the Bengals, they'll get it going. You know, get Burrow. He'll be back Steelers healthy and get it rolling. And it's like, Steelers, you're not killing the Steelers. They're going to be there. And whoever yep. else is at the party, we'll see. But you you can write it in ink that the Steelers will be there at the end. They'll start Darnell's going to be there, boys. He's going right. to be there. That's, That's right. right. Uh, yeah. Darnell, Dwayne, whatever. It's all the same. All the same. Starts with uh, me. How about uh, if I was going to go headline, and I'll, I'll, I'll go back and forth with you guys. We'll go uh, kind of rapid fire here. But just the headline takeaway from these other ones. Buck. Uh, the Raiders and the Bears. The Bears smashed the Raiders thirty to twelve. What's the headline? Why star Brian Hoyer? I, I just don't know. <laughs> like why? Like why? Because yeah. this was a situation where I understood. Like the previous week, Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt second half. You put Brian Hoyer in because he's a guy that's probably most ready to play without reps. But then you had a full week to prepare. Aiden O'Connell should be in the starting quarterback. We have seen what this Brian Hoyer thing looks like. It doesn't look great, and it didn't look great against the Chicago Bears. And this is one where if you're a Raiders fan, you're looking at Josh McDaniels wondering, like, man, like, let's put the young guy in. Let's give him a chance. And it also, look, you went and got Jimmy G. This had to be part of the equation when you got Jimmy G. He's not a guy that's a 17-game starter. He's a 12 to 13-game starter, and you need to have a good quarterback, too. And I thought Aiden O'Connell would be the guy to get the ball. Well, and and we talked about it on the show, uh, Buck, but, you know, I think Brian Hoyer excels at being QB2. At coming in, you know, as you mentioned, with zero reps and being able to effectively lead the offense the way he did a week ago. But as is the case with many backup quarterbacks, you start exposing them to more reps in a role like this against the Bears. And sometimes that's when you see why that they are QB2. Well, and and that, is that is that the line, by the way? You remember when, when we were in high school or whatever, and the, the line was good from far, but far from good? Well, yeah. I don't know. Okay. yeah. Is yeah. that kind of Brian Hoyer right it's there? Like, like, yeah. Good with few, few with, I don't know, something. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not, it's but, but here's the other thing, the, the other takeaway on that one real quick. Why does everyone want to throw Deontay Foreman out onto the trash heap after one year? I mean, like, he's been on three teams in three years, it feels like, and every time he gets the ball, he's like a 100-yard rusher. He had three yeah. touchdowns in this game. Why is he not playing for the Panthers right now where he was a year ago? I mean, like, he should no. still be in Tennessee. That I don't Panthers know. roster, that Panthers roster of, you know, 18 months ago looks a lot better than that Panthers roster does right now. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. They play a lot different too. What um, else we got? All right. Next one here. Uh, let's go, Rhett. You can hit this one because uh, you're the official Giants uh, watcher of the podcast. 14 to 7. Yay. They beat the command. <laughs> you, take away? Um, you know, that uh, they they got some run game productivity from Saquon Barkley and and f- I think the biggest takeaway is that they found Darren Waller. They remember Darren Waller is there and is one of the best tight ends in the league. He goes for seven uh, ninety eight and a touchdown, and that was essentially all they needed. Defense played well in the game. There you go. And by the way, I thought the other piece of information that came out of this was it looks like they are going to get their left tackle back for next week's game against the Jets, which is going to be Huge. 13 to 10, and it's going to be a slugfest. Um, yeah. Battle of New York there. Looking forward to that one. All right, all right Buck. Uh, 
The Cardinals, uh, they, they're competitive, but the Seahawks get them 20 to 10. Jake Bobo with a touchdown. Uh, Let's go, Jack Jake. Smith and Jigbo with a touchdown. How about the two rookies? Yeah, two rookies stepping up. I thought was interesting about Bobo is how DK Metcalf has talked about he looked at Jake Bobo as inspiration in terms of how to work and how to prepare uh, to play in the National Football League. He talked about how Bobo has been one of the guys that, from a route running standpoint, he's been impressed with. And so he watches how he's been able to work himself into being a pro and how he's earned everything he's tried to take on some of that. I just think with the Seattle Seahawks, they're young guys stepping up and playing. Uh, you didn't get a chance to see it, but Devin Witherspoon absolutely splattered Stud. somebody in the flat. I mean, just, <laughs> just absolutely like teach- Who it was didn't matter. Yeah. It was just, Rondell Moore, I think. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. cut him down two inches. I mean, just destroyed him. And the Seahawks didn't play great, but they ran the ball effectively. Kenneth Walker had over 100 yards. Gino was fine. The wide receivers continue to make plays, but this is a team that you know, I, they're not good enough in my mind to be one of those top seeds, one of those top four seeds in the NFC. But that could be a little problem in the tournament. Yeah, yeah, they can win a game. They can win a game in the tournament. I mean, I don't know. That's interesting. Um, yeah. All right, the uh, last one here, uh, Buck. You can handle this. Packers, Broncos. Um, I felt like I don't know. Refresh my memory. I feel like. You were pro Packer early on in the year and thinking they're yeah. not going to skip a beat. And yeah, I was. Still feel the same way about their situation. I was, but you know what I'm going to do? Because do our, because our humble producer Nabil, I'm going to do like Nabil. I changed my mind. I don't feel <laughs> as great about. Them. I don't feel as great about them after watching them. It was it was a lot more in theory, more so than in practical application. Like, I thought this team was going to be able to run the football with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, and they just don't. Um, play big boy ball. And the fact that look, somehow the Broncos allowed them to close the gap. The Broncos dominated the game for the most part. I mean, they were in control of the game and they let the Packers sneak back in. This Packer team, and we're learning, and this is what I was curious. I wanted to see what Matt LaFleur looked like without having the four-time MVP Aaron Rodgers. And it looked like what I thought it would look like. He has to figure out how to get this team with what he has to play at a higher level. And they're just not playing well enough um, in terms of on defense and in the running game to be able to do it with Jordan Levitt quarterback. They got to get their offensive line fixed. Um, it, it's become an issue. Josh Myers got hurt in this game. We obviously, we know Bakhtiari's what, what he's been dealing with. Um, it's, it's not what, what they have going up there up front right now is not conducive to the way that they want to play this game. Interesting. Uh, by the way, quick, uh, kid story. When my youngest son was playing soccer for the first year, so I don't know, five, six years old, um, they uh, have their first game, and the coaches uh, you know, got the team together, and so they've got the goalie jersey, right? And they go, "Hey, who's who wants to, who wants to play goalie?" You know, and none of the kids raise their hand. I'm just watching this whole thing, and my son's first time playing soccer. He raises his hand, "Yeah, I'll play goalie." Put the jersey on, trots back out there, gets in front of the goal. All the other team comes on the field. They blow the whistle to start the game, and he raises his hand from the goalie box. Goes, "I changed my mind." I changed my mind. <laughs> didn't want it. He didn't want that smoke at goal. He didn't want, he didn't want that smoke. Sounded like a great, it sounded like, hey, I get a cool jersey. This is going to be fun. And I think that five, six-year-old brain started thinking, man, they're going to start peppering some of these soccer balls. At me. I don't like this. I don't like this very much. Get me out of here. Yeah. So, um, the best, though, was raising his hand because it was like, it was proper. It was it was very professional. Very it was very respectful. Just very polite. Hey, Appreciate I changed it. my mind. We're good. No, I'll get somebody else in here. <laughs> but, by the way, you're not, you can't. He didn't, was not able to do that at the start of the game. So I'm I'm the dad who runs behind the, the net and I'm going to like try and encourage him and coach him. The referee, those are, no coaching behind the net. You can't, I'm like, these, these kids are five, six years old. Like, come on, man. Uh, anyways, he made it. He lived. He's still he's still with us. So he's been good. Made. Good. Uh, that that's that's funny. Is I, that a classic? Uh, I love that. <laughs> All right. Remind you guys, we're going to be back with four more episodes this week, uh, including a Move the Six video show that streams 4 p.m. Pacific every Tuesday uh, on the NFL Fast Channel. So again, five pods a week, five shows a week, including that video show. If you haven't done it already, we encourage you to subscribe, uh, leave us a rating and review. We do appreciate those. Um, it's been a fun one, boys. Let's do it again tomorrow. Sound good? Sound great. See All you right. tomorrow. We'll see you guys next time right here on Move the Sticks.
This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love. Online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.